remind you, 007, that Blofeld's dead. Finished. The least we can expect from you now is a little plain, solid work. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the 007 Minute, where each and every other day we go over one minute of probably one of the greatest uh, Sean Connery era James Bond movies, the 1971 Guy Hamilton directed feature Diamonds Are Forever. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of Illuminar.tv. And once again, we are back with author, raconteur, uh, editor in chief of Cinema Retro, uh, James Bond aficionado extraordinaire, Lee Pfeiffer. Well, guys, nice to be back. Looking forward. Analyzing, analyzing this very important scene in the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's critical. Everything sets up from here goes on. It's all based on this one moment. Uh, but uh, we're, we're we're still out in the desert, and uh, Doctor Tynan is uh, going back to his uh, his little motorcycle to. Uh, he's reaching. He, he's reaching. And we're assuming for a gun, but we have no idea what. I'm assuming, or maybe he's pretending. If this is, if I had a gun, this is where I'd keep it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and by the way, it looks like the helicopter could land and take off from uh, Bruce Glover's lapels. <laughs> the 70s were a great time. That oh, tie, my God, that... yeah. And, and, and as I pointed out before, they made a point of getting the up-to-the-minute fashion in, in every Bond film. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, actually, most of the Bond films, you know, if you really consider how long they've been out, there's not too many elements in them that look very dated, are there? I mean, you know, L- yes. live and let die, Bond and bell bottoms. Well, yes, I mean, <laughs> bell uh, anything shot in the early to mid seventies, I agree, because that's why the seventies is known as the the decade that style forgot, you know, and. <laughs> uh, but I mean, for the most part, if you go back to how Connery looks or you know, the suits and uh, everything, the early films pretty much holds up. I mean, obviously, the vehicles, the cars uh, age a bit, but uh, they've been remarkably re- resilient in terms of not seeming very outdated. And you're right, Mark. I mean, anything in the 70s through that period where you know, I was in high school, I mean, our parents were right when they said, you're really going to regret looking like that in your yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing, you know, Roger Moore wear those uh, safari suits uh, with Captain Kangaroo pockets and, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yes. hard to get used to. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I, I think I'm looking at Dr. Tynan and uh, uh, what Putter Smith is wearing. It's It looks like it, they they had one pattern and they just changed the material. It's pretty much the same suit right down to that, that thing where he's belt. I, I don't recall anybody belting a trench coat anywhere. I've, I've never seen that happen. But he, hey, I'm sure in the seventies, there were plenty of people that had it. It was just so many ugly fashions. We couldn't keep up with them all. You know, it's uh, wow. but it's, it's a good scene in the film. I mean, but it also, it also um, conveys the fact that we're in a, different realm than the earlier Bond films and that we know that this uh, this couple, Wint and Kid, uh, are going to be used primarily for comedic purposes. Whereas mm. prior to this, most of these henchmen and villains in the other Bond films, they, they were really there to, to put across a sense of genuine menace to Bond. And I mean, you don't remotely believe for a minute that these guys are going to pose any real big danger to Bond. Uh, having said that, <laughs> they are rather delightful to watch together. They're, they're mm. 
very very good in the roles. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, and it's I, I, it's one of the the unspoken things here is that we've we've already found out that they've killed somebody already with uh, Joe Joe be, Joe yeah. being missing from the scene. And they're, they're close it, to the helicopter and everything, but everybody that touches them is doomed, as they say. But as they as they go through the film, they be used increasingly for comedic effect. Right? Yeah, that, there's that, a, the cut scene uh, when they execute Shady Tree, and uh, they actually had a gun that when they pull the trigger, the big flag came out that said "bang." Yes, I have a publicity photo of that. They they took publicity photos because they were going to use that in the film, and for whatever reason, it was cut. A lot was cut from this movie. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead, but I mean, they're much ballyhooed uh, cameo by Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, uh, I've seen photos of it, and and I, you know, for whatever reason, they cut it. I, I can't imagine it took more than like. 20 seconds or something so i don't they must have cut it for artistic reasons not because it took up too much time but they 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 left the uh the slot playing elephant in so yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had to make room for the yeah there was a big dinner scene with lana wood and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. where they, she goes dining formally with bond at the casino restaurant and there's stills of this but uh, i think they did restore some of it on the dvds they did find some of this missing footage but uh, yeah the, the sammy davis jr footage is on youtube i've, I've watched it and it, it, he talks a little bit about willard white and stuff but it just seems like it didn't go anywhere a gimmick. it's just a gimmick yeah i think that's probably what yeah uh, it just looked <laughs> like what it was a gimmick but that was cubby yeah. broccoli i mean cubby would you know have dinner with somebody hey why don't you be in the next bond movie <laughs> have to figure <laughs> out what to do with them you know when they said okay so uh i, I guess that's why they cut it but uh, uh yeah, but winton kid you know are well on their way here of uh establishing themselves as uh, a rather interesting pair of bond villains and uh uh, like I say, they, it's the first that I can remember. Maybe I'm missing something in, in the past, but the first villains that we used expressly for comedic uh, purposes. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're not they don't seem as psychotic as like Vargas. It's just mm. <laughs> yeah, they're more they're more playful murderers, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, of course, as I said uh, previously, uh, I mean they they go for a, the screenwriters go for a. a a cheap laugh by you know having them hold hands which was like eyebrow raising stuff you know yeah yeah and I, i'm really not sure what dr tynan is going to do out in the middle of the desert examining um putters well <laughs> right. teeth. the movie is a complete mess script wise i mean there there are things that just don't make sense whatsoever i get into when we get to the scenes later in yeah that particular part but I mean, there there are all sorts, and it always comes down to the master plan that the villain has. It always amuses me. I mean, here's Blofeld that he he wants to uh, he wants to blackmail all these nations for ransom. But if you already had enough diamonds to launch a satellite <laughs> and the technology where you had your own ability to blow up half the world. What exactly are you looking for that you don't already have? Yeah, you know yeah. If, if, if I'd said this on a previous episode, but if you have the, if you have the resources to to set up an entire diamond smuggling network and then eliminate that network, why don't you just go buy the diamonds? Because you... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
It can't be as expensive as running this complicated operation. Yeah, but then you, you'd lose villain cred <laughs> with all the other so, evildoers. Like, I, I, I sit, like, sit around thinking sometimes with my friends, like, you know, what is it like to work for Spectre? Like, like these guys that worked in the, in the volcano when you only live twice, you know, yeah. they must have hours, you know, like, they, do they punch the time clock, you know? For the, yeah. the performance work, review and all they, that? Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Do they get, there must be somebody when you work for Spectre, an organization like that, where somebody in, in human resources sits down and tells you, you know, what you get for vacation and, uh, you know, you get a bonus <laughs> if you kill X number of yeah. people inside of six months. This film has a, has a Spectre announcer. <laughs> you know, actually, there was one in the volcano crater, I guess. Well, that, you yeah, know. Yeah. well if you notice, He's they gone. never use Spectre in this movie. And that's because for reasons that are far too long and labored to go into, there were rights issues that arose over who owned the rights to Spectre. And uh, a man named Kevin McClory, who claimed to have certain rights to the Bond series, uh, made right. a big stink and said that he helped develop Spectre with Ian Fleming. The filmmakers then backed away from using Spectre until very recent years, uh, you know, when, when they, uh, Eon Productions uh, legally obtained the rights to all things Bondian, uh, including Spectre and Blofeld. After this film, I mean, Blofeld wasn't even seen again uh, until uh, Spectre in 2015, right, Mark? Well, he was well, in uh, with the Roger Moore's the Roger, I'll Roger Buy Moore. You a Deli in Stainless Steel, remember? No, that wasn't. Hang on a second. They very carefully avoided mentioning that character's name, okay? He is an unnamed uh, villain. He's a only villain. in there as a joke <laughs> or, or to upset Kevin McClory. Uh, uh, I don't know why he was in there, but clearly you're supposed to think that he's mm. Blofeld, but they never legally crossed the line and called him that. So that's how long these these characters and the Spectre idea was tied up in, uh, in litigation. So uh, they don't, even back in 1971, uh, we know that Blofeld always was the, you know, chief operating officer of Spectre, but nowhere in the film is Spectre mentioned, which is rather uh, unusual. Um, when, a technical uh, note that I'm noticing on this on this particular minute, especially, is the shooting day for night, which is something you don't see anymore now with you know high speed films yes. or video. They shoot night at night, but now yeah, we're not very convincing either. <laughs> no, well, it's at twilight. <laughs> yeah, it's at, that when the, the moon's shining really bright that that day, um, and the idea that the, the helicopters apparently can find them at night, yeah. and uh, and the doctor can drive around in the yeah, desert. it's just I mean, <laughs> I, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. I mean, I know. It, any Bond film, you don't look at it like it's Citizen Kane or something, but uh, at least there's got to be some logic uh, to the earlier ones. I mean, there were, there were gaps. Yeah. There were gaps in the earlier ones. We talk about Blofeld's motivations. I was thinking on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, the gimmick there was that Blofeld uh, could destroy all plant and animal life if he didn't get his demands met. And his demands are ridiculous. All he wants is to be pardoned for some crimes. And to be known as officially as a count, 
and they're not going to give it to them. <laughs> they're going to destroy the world. It's like the scene from Austin Powers where he says, I want $1 million. Everybody says, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but you, you have this premise where the guy just wants to be known as Count and to be forgiven for some previous crimes and pardoned. And nobody's going to give it to him. So, <laughs> it's, it's, so you know, <laughs> have to kill the world. Absolutely not. He's asking too much. But, but uh. <laughs> we'll destroy all animal and plant life first. And and set, you know the the thing that they settle here for is some uh, Roadrunner cartoon level <laughs> actions with pulling the guy's collar out while dropping yeah, it. And dropping yeah, which uh, that scorpion, by the way, Bruce uh, still has. I, I should. It's pickled. It was in his bathroom, as I remember. Is that really? right? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. He still wow, has that's it. That's interesting. Nice to know it had a good home. Yeah. Imagine what he could get for uh. for that on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it, the, we end the scene with uh, well, he didn't he didn't get to say the the, the famous line, but uh, they're just kind of watching him drop to the drop to the ground with a uh, with a scorpion down his neck. It's, it, it's a good introduction to these two characters who, you know, th their appearances are, I will admit, uh, amusing through the movie. Even though I, I would like a harder edge to the Bond villains, I'd like a harder edge to almost all of Diamonds So Forever. It's it's, yeah, it, it, I mean it, Connery it, still played it for keeps. No, Connery, it, Connery was good in it. I mean, you know, uh, I thought uh, Lana Wood was well cast, and uh, uh, some of the other people. But I, uh, Jimmy Dean, ironically, I thought was pretty well cast. A really odd ball bit of casting, but to me that works. But some of the other uh, people just don't work at all in this film, at least for me. And uh, uh, you know, that's why I've never had the affection for this film that I had with the earlier ones. But again, I like it and I would certainly watch it at any given time. Yeah. It, it may not be as serious, but I think it's definitely as entertaining as any yes. Bond film. It's just, it's, it, it has a different level. It's in the, you know, the 1966 Batman mm -hmm. style of, uh, of entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it introduces um, all sorts of things that will then be picked up and put on steroids in, in the Roger Moore era. Yes. You know, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the gloves are off yeah, the, the when we get to Roger Moore. Sympathetic uh, policeman who gets involved with a big car chase and all that. You know, uh, all that has its ingredients in Diamonds Are Forever. Even though most people think, you know, the slapstick elements came out uh, in Roger Moore's era, they were exasperated by uh, exacerbated by Roger Moore. But they they certainly didn't begin with him. Most of that stuff begins here in Diamonds Are Forever. And uh, I've warmed to it over the years. You know, it's uh, well. You you I, I you warmed up to it by the end of the week, right? Well, I, <laughs> I've gone to see it so many times. I think I, it's like the old Woody Allen joke. You know, the the, the food in this restaurant is terrible, and, and the portions are too small. You know, I mean, here's here's yeah. the. <laughs> movie I didn't like when it came out, but all my friends wanted to go like every day, so I saw it like six times in a week or something. So uh, and back in those days, you could sit in the theater and they just run the movie again. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you could sit in you could sit in the theaters and and uh, basically uh, and if you went on Forty Second Street back in the sleaze days, there were people who lived in those theaters. You know, they oh my they God. paid for yeah, pretty much like nineteen forty nine, and they were still in the theater <laughs> in the seventies. You know. It's, <laughs> different world wow. yes <laughs> hey that's my seat 18g Get out. <laughs> <laughs> see the stain on it that's mine <laughs> wow i was i was thinking about one one of the effects of this i mean it, we're, we're saying it's slapstick and stuff but the really the lines that went and kid have 
are, used to just come out of Bond's mouth. He was the only one that got to say, uh, you know, a, a masterful or not so masterful pun. <laughs> these these guys get to talk about glowing tributes and stuff like that. So maybe that's it. It's just the the widespread as the puns spread through the uh, through the screenplay. That's where that's where things went downhill. <laughs> No, it, it's uh, true. It's true. The, uh, but hey, we're we're hooked on them, and we always will be. I suppose if I haven't outgrown that, it by this that, point, I'm not going to. That's true. You can't can't go back. Can't change it. And might as well enjoy yep, it. So. Exactly. Um, well, well, let's talk. If you've got time for one more uh, minute in a couple of days, we'll, uh, let's come back to uh, to this little bit of the Absolutely. desert. We can, We'd love uh, we can to do it. Follow. We'd love to. All right. Well, we'll be we'll be back in in just a few days to talk uh, about this. Uh, we'll set up uh, this day, yeah. as we watch. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun matching wits with you guys, such as it is. Well, we appreciate you being on here, Lee. It's uh, it's always great oh, yeah. to, to talk to a master of well, this kind of stuff. One is never too uh, old to learn from a master. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, for folks listening in that want to uh, join us online, we are always available on Facebook at our, our face, our Facebook page is known as uh, Operation Grand Slam. So go look for Operation Grand Slam. You can find us at the big site, 007minute.com, where you can catch up on previous episodes and catch future episodes. Always, we are available on iTunes and Google Play. So look for 007minute, and we are right there. Please leave leave us a rating, you know, a particular review, because that always helps people find our show. Uh, we appreciate all the, all the reviews so far, and we look forward to more. So join us here uh, in just a few days on episode 13, minute 13, of the double O. We're out here in the desert waiting yes. for you. <laughs> Miles from Bert Saxby. Bert Saxby? Yeah. Tell him he's fired.